Are you looking to rapidly grow your following and become a leader in your space? Did you know there are currently over 150 million Americans listening to podcasts like this one? And what's really incredible is that you could be speaking to thousands of people in your pajamas without leaving your home. Here's the problem. There are currently over a million podcasts and finding the right ones is like finding a needle in a haystack. Podcast booking agencies charge thousands of dollars to book you on shows and they usually just spam podcasters like me. Hosts like myself get pitched all the time and we don't have time to research every potential guest. In fact, I turned down over 90% of guest pitches. That's why I created podbooker.com. Podbooker.com is the first platform where guests can easily pitch hosts and hosts can find great guests. It's like a podcast dating site. Use our simple search algorithm to find the perfect show in seconds. Increase your acceptance rate by collecting reviews from podcast hosts. Easily communicate and follow up with hosts with a few clicks. Keep a record of all the podcasts you've been featured on. Learn how to become a rock star guest with our Academy tutorials featuring award-winning podcast hosts and much, much more. So what are you waiting for? Head over to podbooker.com. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, we are back, and I'm excited to continue to bring you incredible guests where I go beyond the outside shiny appearances and dig deeper into what makes them so successful. Please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Now, I'm truly honored to introduce to you an Emmy award-winning, world-renowned speaker and motivational trainer, the legendary one and only Les Brown. Les has raised the spirits of audiences as large as 80,000 people with his soulful energy. He will have you laughing and crying, but most importantly, he'll show you what it means to really live a life worth living. Les talks about how he laughed his way out of fourth stage cancer, how he learned to recover from anger breakouts, how to stay happy no matter what life throws your way, how to reconnect in a disconnected world, how to handle the feelings of not being good enough, and how to get out of your head and into your heart. Okay, enough with the hype. Here's the legendary humble giant, Les Brown. Les Brown, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's always a treat when great people meet, Daniel. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love your one-liners, man. I could literally just listen to all of your one-liners, and that's it. It's amazing. So first of all, before we came on here, we had a ton of technical difficulties. It literally took us an hour to, to sort it all out. And you know what's so impressive, Les, is you're as cool as a cucumber. Like, it doesn't phase you, and it just it's so refreshing to meet somebody that you just don't get angry you don't like you know you just go with the flow it's okay and uh that's huge how do you how do you do that how do you get there you know here's what we know that a guy named dimples had a song years ago and i believe this if it ain't one thing it's another This stuff is going to happen. You know, Murphy's Law that says if anything can go wrong, it will, and at the worst possible moment. And what we Mm -hmm. must do is realize when things go wrong, don't go with them. That we must stand still, observe it, and work it out and find a way to win. 
And that's how I lived my life. But I wasn't always like that. I had to yeah. grow to that level. <laughs> Tell me about the times when you struggled with that and how you, how you managed to, to get to this place. I'll never forget. It's interesting. No one has ever asked me that before, Daniel. First, I want to thank you to imagine the number of people whose lives that you are touching and changing because of the commitment that you've decided to do with this programming. Because how we live our lives is a result of the story we believe, we believe about ourselves. And what you do is expand a person's vision through the interviews that you have with various guests and help them begin to see themselves beyond their mental conditioning and their circumstances and understand that they can grow beyond their conditioned and habitual mindset which controls their behavior. I was doing a presentation and the guy handling the PA system kept playing with the system. And I said, sir, why don't you just set it and leave it there? That was not enough for him. He kept doing it. And, and it, the, the feedback affected not just me, but it affected the audience. And I said, man, if you would just leave it alone. And he just ignored me. And I never did this before. I got so angry. I threw the microphone down. And so the the host, which was one of the guys that I trained, he ran up to me and he said, Mr. Brown? I said, yes, Johnny. His name is Johnny Wimbry. He said, you taught me when things go wrong, don't go with me. He said, don't go with them. He said, you just with them. You just yeah. went with them. I said, okay. I said, well, you're bringing that to my attention. You brought me back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I said, yeah, the microphone. <laughs> wow. Wow. That <laughs> interrupted my thinking. Anger is a wind that blows out the lamp of the mind. And I teach that. And so he brought me back. You know, when Jesus went in, went among the disciples and he went in the room and started tearing it up because <laughs> they were in there mm -hmm. playing cards and doing all kind of things that many times drop out of level of consciousness and forget to do the things that we know and and not practice what we preach i believe that don't practice what you preach preach what you practice and we all lose it sometimes but I don't make a habit of doing it. I work hard. We've got to be very mindful of how we live our lives and the things that we do and how we conduct ourselves and hold ourselves to a higher standard, not just be a messenger, but be the message behind the message. What's incredible, Les, is your, <laughs> your sense of humor and your positivity. You have such an incredible... I mean, if somebody called me out or somebody else out when I'm in a state of anger, that would just make me more angry. The fact that you held it together and then realized, oh, wait, I just lost it. I dropped out of consciousness and came back. Like, you know, the way that you see how fit somebody is physically is their recovery rate. It's how fast do they recover after they do the physical activity. And the same thing with spirituality. The faster that you're able to bounce back, that's how fit you are spiritually and you're so fit like to be able to just within a second just bounce back after being in a state of anger that's that's incredible 
You know, I don't find that incredible. You know, let me tell you what I found incredible. Yeah. And an oncologist, and I appreciate the compliment, my oncologist who had a weird sense of humor, Dr. Alfred Golson, he looked at me and said, Mr. Brown, I said, yes. He said, you have prostate cancer, and it has metastasized the seven areas of your body, and it's fourth stage. I said, well, can you give me a second opinion? He said, yes. He said, and you're ugly, too. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and we both cracked up. <laughs> so, oh my Albert Dawson, man, you are weird. <laughs> he said, "Well, you know, I heard you say that we determine the diagnosis, but God determines the prognosis." I heard your daughter say that to you, and mm -hmm. so let's live from that place. I said, "Thank you very kindly." It's so. I did mm. recover from that very well, but I didn't like the fact that he said that I was ugly. <laughs> wow. How did you get through that? That I mean, that's that's a bombshell. Like, how do you get back from that? You know, Shakespeare said, nothing is neither good nor bad, but thinking makes it so. And And so my mindset, because I had my daughter with me, my mindset was, I got this, because she believed that doctors should never tell someone they're terminally ill. What they should say is that my knowledge and ability to help you has terminated. Now you need to explore some other options to get you through this experience. And that's where I stepped to that place that I'm not denying what you've said, but I'm, def I'm being defiant. And I'm going to fight this. You know, there's a quote that I love very much. That life is a fight for territory. And once you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. And so we have to begin to always know that there will always be something that we have to fight, something that we have to deal with, and, and, and fight a good fight. Because life is about a, a constant struggle, that in this thing called life, you're either in a problem, or you just left one, or you're headed toward one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. How old are you, by the way? Because you, you look I am 75. Really... I, I, I can't believe, I mean, it's unbelievable. How do you stay so young looking? Well, I use mascara to cover my gray. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness and I live a life I'm happy I'm a happy person you know I, a doctor named Norman Cousins he wrote a book called The Anatomy of Illness mm -hmm. and he was diagnosed with terminal cancer and he watched a lot of old movies I Love Lucy Lucille Ball and Ricky Ricardo and and funny things that made him laugh. And what they discovered, that laughter, some people call it inner jogging, and there's a body of, of, of medicine called psychoneuroimmunology, psycho, the mind, neuro, the, the nervous system, immunology, the immune system. That laughter has a healing balm. It's a healing medicine. And so that one minute of anger weakens the immune system for four to five hours. 
But wow. one minute of laughter boosts your immune system for over 24 hours. So those who are listening now, after they get through listening to you and I, they won't get sick for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. But you know what's interesting is, is you don't come from a happy upbringing. You know, I, I heard your story of, of some of the things that happened to you when you were a boy, and you would think that that trauma would, would stay with you. You know, I mean, if, if you don't mind, could you share the story um, about when your your own mother beat you, because oh, well, that, that that was it, to me I was shocked. Well, I I was born in an abandoned building on a floor in a poor section in Miami, Florida, called Liberty City, <laughs> and my twin brother and I we we were adopted by Mrs. Mamie Brown. I I always say I'm here because of two women. One gave me life, and the other one gave me love. That all that I am, as Abraham Lincoln would say, and all that I ever hoped to be, I owe to my mother. And being raised in the South, the segregated South, there were things that we could do and things that we could not do. And I'll never forget, I was about five years old. I was with my mother in downtown Miami, and I, I was like 95 degrees, and I saw this water fountain, and I ran up to the water fountain and started drinking from it. And my mother grabbed me, and she started beating me like I was a man, punched me in the back of my head and in my face, and had this crazed look in her eyes. And I said, Mama, it's me, it's me, it's me. And then a white police officer came and said, okay, you can stop beating that little nigger boy now. And he was hitting a nightstick in his hand, and he walked away laughing, and my mother then picked me up and she was crying and she said, Leslie, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I said, Mama, why did you beat me like that? She said, had that white policeman hit you, he would have had to kill me and I would have left you and your brothers and sisters to fend for yourself. Unbeknownst to me, during that time, they had white water fountains and black water fountains. So if you're a black person and you drank from a white a water fountain for white people only, then police officers, they had the right to shoot you or to beat you if you were black. And right. so she wanted to prevent me from being beaten. When I came up, I used to work with a guy named Sam Axelrod, and we used to go on Miami Beach. And they had signs on Miami Beach that said, Jews, dogs, and colors not allowed. Mm. And I remember asking Sam, I said, Sam, why do they hate us like they do? He said, I don't know, Leslie. He said, but don't focus on that. Focus on trying to find a way to win. And he was one of my early mentors, along with Mr. Leroy Washington, who taught me that someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality, because I fell in the fifth grade and was put back from the fifth grade to the fourth grade and I was labeled educable mentally retarded and he said Mr. Brown he never never ever called me just Leslie Mr. Brown Mr. someone's Brown. opinion of you does not have to become your reality develop your mind develop your communication skills because once you open your mouth you tell the world who you are and practice OQP only quality people if you run around with losers, you will end up a loser. 
And mm. that early coaching from Mr. Washington and Sam Axelrod helped me to begin to develop a, a sense of purpose and vision for my life and helped me to come from a place of poverty to live from my imagination. Einstein said the imagination is the preview of what's to come. And so I speak to audiences around the world and I teach them to live out of their imagination, not from their history, that they can do more than they can ever begin to imagine. And that at any point in time, as Viktor Frankl said in his book, uh, that man search for meaning at any point in time, that we have the power to determine what direction that we're going to take our lives in. Wow. What keeps you going though? I mean, most people in their seventies, they kind of decide, okay, I've had enough. I'm retiring now. Let me relax. And, you know, and then you've got the money, Les, I'm sure you, you know, you've made enough money to be able to put up the bag and put your feet up on a hammock and a beach somewhere and just, you know, enjoy, enjoy the rest of the life. You know, something that Sam taught me years ago, and I, I really adhere to that. He said, do what you love. He said, you were not born to work for a living, but to live your making. And living your making will make your living. I love to help people. And when, when he asked me, what is it you like to do? I said, I like to help people. And he said, then do that. He said, find a way to monetize your passion. Find a way to earn money doing that which you love. And so... What he also built in my mind, that people want to retire from things that they find to be work. But when you're doing what you love to do, and I believe that I was born to speak and to mm. train speakers, that you never want to stop doing this. And that it keeps you young. I laugh a lot. I'm living a purpose-driven life rather than a fear-driven life. And I'm living life on my terms. I, I, I believe what Elsie Robinson said, things may happen around you and things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. Mm. Are you, are you in a relationship right now? Yes. And we have a lot of fun together. I believe that the relationships are something that you, you grow and you learn and it helps you to begin to see yourself and another person in that relationship, you learn how to bring out the best in each other. Yes, I'm not married, but I am in a relationship. Wow, interesting. And um, how do you, there's a lot of, you know, in, in today's society and generation, there's a lack of commitment, right? There's a lot of people who are not being faithful and, and sort of being drawn after, you know, forbidden fruit. How, are you, how have you sort of uh, maintained your commitments to your relationships? In my early years, I would say that was a struggle. But I'm at this point in my life, I'm like <laughs> the lady who said, Lord, I ain't what I want to be, ain't what I'm going to be, but thank God I showed <laughs> what I was. <laughs> so I'm, I am committed. There's a difference between being committed to a relationship and being involved in a relationship. The next time you have bacon and eggs, look at it. The chicken was involved. The pig was committed. I can't have bacon. I'm, Jew I'm, Jew I'm Orthodox Jewish, so okay. I don't eat the Excellent. All right. All right. Yeah. I, I can appreciate <laughs> that. So you, you should be celebrating Shabbat. 
but yeah, <laughs> well, I, wait, so, I did celebrate Shabbat. This is now the night time, so it's after Shabbat. Oh, excellent. Okay, so yeah. so the pig though had to give it all up. So when you are <laughs> when you are in love, and you know who you are, and you want to live a life of truth, <laughs> and live from that place, you're willing to, and you know what your purpose is for life. That that narrows your choices. And you give up the behaviors that you once were engaged in, and it, it begins to narrow your choices. That's why the Book of Life says, the road to life is straight and narrow, and few there be that find it. Because few there be that are willing to discipline themselves and honor their commitments to live a life of truth and to live from a place of integrity. And so this level of consciousness, you know, I have, Ten children of five boys and five girls. I'm, I'm suing the people who came up with the concept of the rhythm method. The rhythm method does not work. I have rhythm. <laughs> What's the rhythm method? I have, I, I've become scared I know, to ask. Millennium, but you are too young to know that. This is okay. a program. So continue, please. Okay. <laughs> who were some of your, your greatest mentors along the way? Mr. Leroy Washington, he was a speech and drama teacher at my high school. He, he became, to me, unbeknownst to him, like a spiritual father. Sam Atzerod, who I worked for his company, and he taught me the appreciation of words. I promised him when I became an adult I would take him to Poland, and he lost family members during Auschwitz and in the German concentration camps. And... He died, but I, I went anyhow and, and honored him, went to the Wailing Wall and left a flower there and, wow. and toured various sites in Poland when I was there. Um, My grandfather it, was in Auschwitz. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. And he was, so uh, yeah. he taught me uh, the slogan, what it meant, never again. He taught me. Stand up for what you believe in because you can fall for anything. He taught me the value of words, of, of, of believing in, in something that gives your life a sense of value and meaning and being willing to risk it all for that. Nietzsche said if, that if you know the why for living, you can endure almost anyhow. And he helped me to realize the reason why I'm here. And he said, in quoting something that Jim Rowan said, that when you live your life, he said you can live it, it can be a warning or it can be an example, a warning of what not to do or an example of what to do because of the standards that you hold yourself to and how you live your life. Mm. That's beautiful. Thank you. Do you notice? Do you notice that um, because of technology, a lot of people are kind of disconnected? <clears throat> How do you? I have I have five kids myself, um, and it's it's difficult to get them away from the 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 iPhones and the iPads and technology, and it's it's so addictive, um, and it's really difficult to pull them away and to get them back to you know life life is a beautiful place to live in why are we escaping into into technology this is the new challenge we have and and we don't have the answers for this now <laughs> it's 
energy. One of the things that I do when I'm with my kids, that when we eat together, we have an agreement. We don't bring the telephone to the table. That when we spend time together, all phones must go off. That you have to make a conscious, deliberate, determined effort to create an atmosphere of communication. We have more communication instruments than ever before, and there's less communication. And so we have to make a conscious, deliberate, determined effort. We have to have standards, ground rules, that when we're together, we will be together and be present with each other. I love that. Do you have like a, I guess, a ritual at the beginning or at the end of the day to, to prepare you for the day or to get you <clears throat> in the right mindset? Yes, when I get up in the morning and before I go to sleep at night, I, there's a scripture that I quote, all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. And so in the morning, I wake up with that and I review the things that I have written down the night before of what I want to get out of the day. And I write down seven things that I'm grateful for. Seven things that I'm so thankful. Number one, that I have life, that life is God's gift to us and how we live our lives is our gift to God. I'm thankful for my children and I'm thankful for the ability to speak and to to serve God, to be an instrument of giving people hope and this hope in the future that gives you power in the present. I'm thankful for my health and the things that I'm learning about this thing called life. I'm thankful for creating a new chapter with my life, that I'm not the person that I once was, that I have become a new person, that I've died to who I've been to give birth to this new person that I have become and working every day to stay on this path. So that's the ritual that I go through, writing down seven things that I'm th thankful for, uh, reading scripture, um, reading the Kabbalah, reading the Bible, reading things that inspire me, listening to inspiring music, and, and thinking about the things that I am creating for the agenda for my life. Because if you don't have an agenda for your life, you'll be a part of somebody else's agenda. Mm. I love that. And you've spoken all, all over the world on many, 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 many stages. <laughs> and yes. it's something that I have aspired to do. I want to be a motivational speaker. I'd love to be able to speak on stages around the world. But I, I just get overwhelmed. And when I see people like yourself or Tony Robbins or any of these other you know, big motivational speakers, I feel like who am I to get up on the stage? Like, I'm not good enough. I mean, it's, I know that it's a thought and I know that it's just, just a, a, a bad record playing in my head. But I think everybody has these bad records that play that just kind of say, we're not good enough to do what we want to do. How do you break those records? Daniel, I'm so glad you asked that question. I identify with that because for 14 years, Daniel, I did not do what I'm doing. For 14 years, I convinced myself. There's an African proverb that says, if there's no enemy within, the enemy outside can do us no harm. I said to myself, Les, you're adopted. You, who wants to listen to you? You don't know who your birth parents are. Les, you were labeled educable, mentally retarded. Les, 
you don't have a college education, less you never work for a major corporation. Who's going to pay you? AT&T, Procter & Gamble, McDonald's Corporation, IBM, Xerox. These are some of my clients. Who's going to pay you to teach them how to do something you've never done? So because I allowed that negative thought to be dominant in my mind that I wasn't good enough, I sat on the sideline for 14 years watching other speakers. And then I heard a, a, a speaker say on stage, he stopped in the middle of his presentation. He said, there's somebody here who should be up here holding this microphone, but you convince yourself that you can't do it, that you're not qualified, that you don't have what it takes. And then he went on to speak. And then he stopped again. He said, there's somebody here, and you know who you are. You should be up here changing lives. You feel it in your heart. It's a calling on your life, but you've stopped yourself with this negative conversation, this racket that's going on in your mind. And he said, I'm going to say this to you, and you know who you are, and I'm through with this. This just dropped on me. He said, I represent the thoughts you have rejected for yourself. And when he said that, Daniel, I got up. At that time, you can make a telephone call for a dime. And I ran outside, and I went to a pay booth, a pay phone booth, and I called Mike Williams, my mentor. He's the author of the book, The Road to Your Best Stuff. I wrote the forward for it, The Road to Your Best Stuff. And I said, Mike. And he said, Brownie, what's wrong? I said, I'm not rejecting myself anymore. Do you hear me? He said, calm down. I said, no, I'm not rejecting myself anymore. I said, will you help me? And he said, yes. And I teach Daniel, ask for help, not because you're weak, but because you want to remain strong. And ask for help and don't stop until you get it. And so he helped me to get out of my head living that fear-driven life, and what Zig Ziglar called it, false evidence appearing real, and start living for my faith, faith, finding answers in the heart. And the rest is history, and I'm so glad that he helped me to deliver myself from living that life that allowed me to be possessed by fear. What you have is enough. You have a passion. You have a drive to change people's lives, and you've already done that. And there's something in you. Life is calling you higher. Remember the Lion King. He said, Simba, you're more than that which you have become. Daniel, you're more than that which you have become. And now it's time for you to be on stages all around the world. And I teach and train speakers. So they said coincidence is God's way of staying anonymous. So come, allow me to be your mentor and I can help you go to the next level in a fraction of the time that it took me. <laughs> wow. I'm honored, really. Um, yeah. that's, that's, that's incredible. How can my, uh, the listeners here, how can they get in touch? Any way they can follow you or find you or find your material? Well, they can email me at lesbrown77 at gmail.com. That's two sevens, lesbrown77 at gmail.com. Seven is my lucky number. And, and, and we will send them out information, and my website is lesbrown.com. 
And not many people give out their their email, especially on a on a podcast publicly, because you get flooded. Yeah. <laughs> I do it because I want I want to I want to screen the people myself. I want to my staff they help me, but I, I want to know who it is because I don't work with everybody at this stage of my life. My daughter say I'm 75. I'm 75. I want to be selective to work with people that are hungry and that hungry. want to do something special with their lives. Yes. That's incredible. Well, Les, this has been amazing. I'm so honored and, and blessed to have had you on the show. Telling you, anybody listening to this, take advantage. Um, Les is around right now. He's, he's more alive than most people that you'll meet. And uh, so take him up on his offer. He's so generous. Send him an email. Um, and just, you know, you, this is somebody that I look at as a guiding light, one of the guiding lights in my life. Um, and there's not enough people like you, Les, out there. And uh, I urge people to take advantage of this because, Les, you're a, you're a, you're a humble giant. That's that's the, the best way I could describe you. You're a humble giant. And people... Um, we need more humble giants in the world. Thank you so much, Les. I really appreciate you. And, um, I appreciate you as well, and thank you so much for who you are and answering the call on your life. And allow me to mentor you, please. <laughs> it will be an honor, absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, my brother. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.